Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. What is good, everybody? Welcome to Under Review on the Gold Standard Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Guerrero alongside Vish Kumar and Vish. For the 14th straight time in the regular season, it is another happy recap. Yeah, I feel like how many shows have we done on a Victory Monday? Now, we've definitely done more than 14 shows, but I feel like we started somewhere near the start of this streak. I would like to say that the start of this show was good omens for the 49ers, but maybe that's going a little too far. Maybe that's giving us a little too much credit, but I (laughs) I would just like to say that all we do is come here and talk about 49ers victories on Mondays during the NFL season. There sure as hell are worse ways to spend your Monday. That's for sure. Jared Poulter on YouTube questions us being late. Is Rob going to blame Vish again? Vish, just clarify for the record. Why were we late? Uh... Uh-huh. <laughs> I rest my case. Before we get started, I want to remind everybody. Oh, what? I would like to say that Rob was here at 12 o'clock. I was also here at 12 o'clock central time. Both of us is central time. I just may or may not had to have exited the screen for a couple of minutes, but I was here on time at 12 o'clock. Rob could have started the show at that time. I wouldn't have been ready, but he could have started the show at that time. Well, yeah, I could start the show without you every time, Vish, but I like to wait because it's our show. Uh, before we get started, I want to remind everybody, please like and subscribe to the Gold Standard YouTube channel. If this is your first time coming by, thank you. Welcome. Uh, this is going to be a fun show today, but we do long-form shows every weekday. We do a five-minute update in the morning called 49ers in 5. Like and subscribe to the page. I promise you, 
You will not regret it. Shout out to all our YouTube channel members as well. If you want to become a YouTube channel member, it's less than $3 a month. You get priority comment response, custom emojis, membership badges. It's really, really cool and a lot of fun. All right, Vish. Dude, why do you never include the last part that I just always request for for the members? I did. Actually, yesterday on the show, I did. If you want me to follow you on Twitter or X or whatever, I will. He's got 20,000 followers. That's all I'm letting you guys know. Yeah, I'm just saying. You know, I will if you want. If you don't want, no problem. There, is that, are you satisfied now? Yes, honestly, because I feel like, dude, if you're looking for members, I don't think you understand the quality of a follow from uh, Rob <laughs> Barrera. You got 20,000 followers, dude. You're followed by like Mike Florio. You're followed by like Kay Adams. Doesn't Kay Adams have a million followers on Twitter? Probably. Um, oh, okay. Just takes a casual drink of his water. Like, okay, sip. it's no That's big deal. Victory sip. Uh, as spy Nick Danger says, hit the like button. Tony says, Vish, your background is so bad. It's scary. Uh, but look, look today. Come on. Got the drip today. I love it with the Niners hat. Chris Waddell says, Vish, am I wrong? Or did you and coach almost argue? Uh, I wasn't going to argue, um, but we did almost, I guess, kind of get into an argument yesterday. You're not wrong, but I don't think it would have gotten into an argument. I wasn't going to argue. Speaking of arguments, there is no argument, Vish, none, where the 49ers are not the best team in the league. This is a football winning machine in San Francisco right now. Yeah. They are the best team in the sport. It's inarguable right now. Through four games, they've been clinical. They've been outstanding on both sides of the ball. In fact, they've been so good on offense that we're talking about a defense that allowed 16 points yesterday and had one drive that, you know, that went 99 yards and a couple of fluky, you know, kind of either way, bang, bang, fourth down conversions that prolonged two drives that should have ended a lot earlier. And we're like, hey, They're not good enough. It's just the only reason we're saying that is because we have to look at something and say, well, it's not perfect on this team because that's how well they're playing through four games. I'm not just impressed with the level of play because we looked at them as the most talented team in the sport. A lot of us did, and we expected them to play at this level, but it's the mental level that they've been able to play, play in and play out without drop dropping at all. Right. Miami had a drop yesterday after scoring the 70 points. Buffalo has had a week one drop. We've seen Kansas City's level go up and down. We've seen Dallas's level go up and down. Philadelphia's 4-0, and we haven't seen their level look like a dominant football team. And right now, from snap one to the last snap yesterday, the 49ers have looked like the best team in football. It's like I said, it's a freaking football winning machine. It's unbelievable. Uh, Antonio, YouTube channel member, thanks for the super chat. Hey, Stats and Vish, after Purdy's stellar performance, is it time to start talking about whether Brock can be a top 10 quarterback this year? He proved he can hit the deep ball, which was the biggest concern. What do you think, Vish? Well, I first, I think his performance was absolutely stellar. He was awesome yesterday. Played about as good as you can play. Um, or in regard to whether we need to talk about him as a top 10 quarterback this year, I'll, I'll, I feel like the best time to do that is after this year. And it's not because I don't think he is playing like that. It's just because he's only played 12 games now and we're three games into the season. I would like him to start the entirety of a year before we say top 10, top five, top three, top two, top 15, wherever you want to rank him. I would like him to play one year before we do that. But Right now, he definitely looks like he could be in that conversation by the end of the year. Him and C.J. Stroud, those are the two that are like, holy cow, they're playing like awesome. I don't know what 
anyone's complaint could be about Brock Purdy. He literally had one incomplete pass. I liked the comment after the game. They they said to Kyle, they're like, so are you going to have a long talk with Brock about that incomplete pass he threw today? Like, because that's the only thing you could say about right. the 20 right. of 21, 283, two touchdowns, one rushing, one passing, set the 49ers single, single game completion percentage record, 95.2% that broke Steve Young's record that he set against Detroit back in the day. Congratulations, Brock Purdy. And he just keeps stacking it, Vish. And we were talking before the show started. We both loved how there was no slow start. He came out of the gate sharp and just never stopped. Yeah, he looked awesome. There's something about these high percentage, completion percentage games from quarterbacks from the Niners versus the Cardinals, right? Alex Smith had the 18 for 19 game yeah. before he got the concussion injury, which ultimately leaded to him, led to him, excuse me, getting benched um, in 2012 on Monday Night Football. Now Brock Purdy goes 20 for 21. You know what most impressed me, though, Rob, in this game? What's that? They ran... I think they ran 65 or 70 offensive plays. They ran somewhere in the realm of that many offensive plays. And they only faced three third downs while having five touchdowns on six offensive possessions. Let me repeat that. (laughs) They had five basically long touchdown drives and they faced three third downs the entirety of the game. That's an epitome of peak efficiency in terms of play calling peak efficiency in terms of how your quarterback is playing, and then you're just getting buy-in from your skill players because you're running the ball great, you're throwing it great, everything on first down and second down is working, everything is a chunk play, everything is a positive gain. This offense is rolling, and Brock Purdy is playing awesome right now. He's playing about as good as we've ever seen a quarterback. I mean, he is playing as well as we've ever seen a quarterback play for Kyle Shanahan. We already said that last year, and he's taking it up a level. The guy rehabbed the entire offseason coming off of a serious elbow injury, and he is a better football player already than he was by the end of last year. We've seen marginal improvements just in how he's managed the pocket, how he's getting the ball out faster, the limiting of negative plays, the limiting of putting the ball in harm's way. Wow. Who knows where he'll be by the end of the year? I will say this, and you correct me if I'm wrong. I think this is the first time in the Shanahan era where they have a quarterback whose best attributes are from the neck up. And I think that's why like, it looks easy for him at times because he sees the field, he's reading everything, he knows where he's going to go. There is no panic when his first read is not open. And I think it's all due to the fact that from the neck up, he is by far the best quarterback Shanahan has had with the 49. Right, absolutely. Right, absolutely. And by the way, someone corrected me in the comments. I did misspeak. They faced five third downs. The reason I said three and I said three in my post game as well is just because they faced three until I think the last drive they faced two third downs or the la- the second to last drive they might have faced two third downs. But the majority of the game before they accumulated the large lead, they'd only faced three third downs. Either way, three or five, mighty impressive. Going back to your point in regard to Brock Purdy from the neck up, to me, you can see that in how Shanahan is calling the game, Rob. He looks so comfortable. Everything is just flowing for him. He's just in a different level in every play, the way everything sequences and build off, builds off. It doesn't feel like he's thinking about other factors other than what's the best play in that moment. And you can do that when you have total faith in the execution of your quarterback, not only to get your get the best possible result out of the play you called, but in the case that maybe your the play you called isn't the exact right play for that situation to be able to mitigate the harm that it can do in that situation. And it always felt like, again, 
not to bring up Garoppolo, not to make that comparison, but it always felt like with Garoppolo, he was scared about the mistake Garoppolo would make. And yep. sometimes it would feel like why Shanahan's such a good play caller is a little feeling a little tense or rushed in how he's sequencing plays. He is so relaxed. He's so comfortable. He knows exactly how he wants to call the game. They're playing at a different level. And we haven't even mentioned the MVP of football. We've been talking so much about the quarterback who's playing great. And that's Christian McCaffrey, man. I, I don't know when the agenda is going to start. We're a quarter away through the season and he is hands down the MVP of football. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. We'll, we'll get to that. There's a couple more things on Brock I want to get to, but you mentioned the lack of turnovers. 14 straight regular season wins, 14 straight games with one or fewer turnovers. That has never happened. That is the Niners extending their record that they set last week. That is why these wins keep coming. It's because of stuff like that. There's a couple super chats I want to get to, and then we can uh, keep it rolling here. Kevin Dennis says, Rob, what's the deal with you popping up on SB Nation casts? Are you back with them part-time or something? Yes, I am. I'm producing their sports betting show on Wednesdays called Taking the Points. Uh, so technically, I am a part of SB Nation again, but it's only a part-time role. Uh, it's a very small thing. It's just a way to get some extra cash, frankly, while we're getting the Gold Standard Podcast Network up and running. Uh, Breaking 80 says, hey, gents, I don't see a team giving up a good right tackle. That said, who would you target to take this team to 11? Would it be a cornerback like PS2? Who's PL oh, Patrick Sertain? Patrick Sertain. An edge like Hunter or Burns. Sertain is not getting traded. Like, he's too good. He's 24 yeah. years old, and he's really good. I wish he would, but I don't think it's happening. And I also don't like the idea of Niners trading for players, young ascending players that need to be paid. It's not that these are the best kind of players, but one with these kind of players like Patrick Sertain, you're going to have to buy high on because he's a 24-year-old who right. hasn't gotten his second contract, who's already shown that he's one of the best players at his position. I, I would like players who have already gotten the second contract who are 28, 29, still really good, but the team doesn't know if they want to pay that guy. And if they're looking to rebuild, they're not part of the long-term plans. So, for example, like Garrett Bowles, maybe like that's a conversation. But I, we'll see how it goes because I also would like them to roll over that cap space because $40 million will do them a hell of a lot of good last next year. Um, and the team right now, knock on wood, has remained relatively healthy, and it looks very, very strong in most parts. You are right, though. The one weakness, if we have to bring it up, is that cornerback position. But Rob and I have been kind of hammering that for the first three weeks as well. So <laughs> why beat the same dead horse again that, hey, like, yeah, they only trust two cornerbacks right now. One more thing I want to get to with Brock before we move on to Christian McCaffrey. And you mm -hmm. know me. I love the little broadcast nuggets that we hear. 
And apparently Brock Purdy told the Fox crew that one of the things he does is he watches people who don't get the ball. He watches their reaction in film sessions. He watches their reaction, how they come into work. He watches their attitude. And one thing Brock said was basically like, he noticed that nobody really cared. There was no ego there. And that kind of helped free him up to just say, screw it. I'm just throwing to the open guy. I'm not going to worry about anything. And we're going to keep this thing rolling. And I also think that's part of the reason why this offense is so hard to stop because you can't key in on anybody George Kittle and Debo Samuel had as many touches as Ray Ray McLeod yesterday, and it was one, and it didn't matter at all. And that's because it just goes to the open guy, essentially. Mm -hmm. And they threw the tunnel screen to the other side away from Debo. They threw it to Ronnie Bell. That was pretty interesting, too, earlier in the game. And I want to credit the person I think deserves the most credit for that, and I think that's George Kittle. He's the one who sets that tone. When George Kittle in 2018 is a first-team All-Pro and is breaking the tight ends record for yards, and then the next year he's coming in and blocking, and he's he was still the most targeted player on the team, but then, okay, the emergence of Debo, and that guy never complains about how much he gets the ball, and that guy always does his job in the run in the pass game, then it falls everybody else into line, because if George Kittle, the guy who was a first-team All-Pro, the guy who's set the record for most yards in a single season by a tight end and did all of those things is not complaining about how much he gets the ball. Then who is Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk or Christian McCaffrey or anyone else to then complain because, you know, he's, he gets the respect of being the longest tenured. He's been there through the good and the bad. He's probably looked at as the leader on the 49ers offense at this point, him or Trent Williams, he's one of the oldest guys. So to me, the fact that that tone exists, obviously it's coach set. Like that's Kyle Shanahan instilling in them that it doesn't matter how much you get the ball. We need you to do these things, whether it's running, whether it's running hard on routes, you don't get the ball, all those kinds of things. But I think it can only be implemented when you have a player of George Kittle's caliber play with show absolutely no ego and show it for so long. Cause then it makes everybody else fall in the line. It's kind of that Brady. If Brady can take it from Belichick, then everybody can take it from Belichick. I kind of surmise that it's similar there. I agree. Every coach can say we sh- nobody should have an ego. It's about the team. It's about the team, but this is a game played by human beings. And that really can only be enforced inside the locker room. And it is for the 49ers. Chris Maldonado, shout out to Chris, YouTube channel member for five months. Appreciate you. You're one of the OG supporters. Says Brock was and is on point yesterday. It was nice to see one incomplete pass in a game. And he was mad about it after the game, too. He was like, hi, oh, I missed Christian on that play because the, the Cardinals blitzed. He got a little rushed. Yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um And then let's go with this. Keith Murphy, the unbeaten, says Kyle has found his Drew Brees and Terrell Davis. Those other guys rushed for a thousand under this dad, but it took special player to put Denver over the top and win two Super Bowls. And there is no doubt, Vish, no doubt that Christian McCaffrey is a special player. It is absolutely insane to watch this dude in this offense. Yeah. He's so unbelievably good. He's the MVP of football. And it's crazy because in an offense where you have Debo Kittle, Debo Samuel, excuse me, not Debo Kittle and George that Samuel. That would be a player right yeah, there. Oh, that would be a superstar. But when you have Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and now Brandon Ayuk is 
quietly or very loudly telling everybody that, hey, I'm a top 10, top five, top seven, top eight receiver in football. When you have all of those things going on, and we can very clearly see that the best football player on this offense, other than Trent Williams, is number 23, that's when you know you have something special. He runs so hard. His running to me is underrated just because of how cerebral it is. If you look at how patient he is when he needs to be patient, how hard and quickly he hits the hole when he needs to hit the hole and be decisive, he makes people miss in a very underrated way. He has a lot, he has great change of speed to accelerate and decelerate and make people miss. He's an incredible athlete. I think he breaks tackles better than he's ever gotten credit for. He runs harder than he's ever gotten credit for. And I he's think he looks power more runner. explosive. Yeah, and I think he looks more explosive than he did last year. He's a terrific red zone runner. Like he's awesome at running in the red zone. And then turns out, Rob, he just might be the best route runner on the team. He has incredible hands, never drops a pass. He's good at pass protection. (laughs) He's about as complete a football player as you can get. And right now he's putting together an MVP campaign and it better be appreciated through the quarter this season. I know quarterbacks get the MVP, all of that, what he's doing right now. He is the MVP of football. Akash Anavarathan had a good tweet. Among all running backs, Christian McCaffrey, rushing yards, first. Rushing touchdowns, first. Yards after contact, first. Missed tackles forced, first. First downs, first. Explosive runs, first. And yet somehow, Vish, his PFF grade is number two. That has to be explained to me. But yeah, everything you said about Christian McCaffrey is right. He is a complete football player. He is to me, he is much more of a power runner. He he's fast enough to run effectively on the outside, but he's to me, his strength is power rushing up the middle. I think he forced five or six missed tackles yesterday, like you were talking about. He is unbelievably good and he is in the perfect system. And Kyle knows exactly how to use him. They are together, they are just squeezing every drop out of that talent and that potential. And the run scheme is so diverse and it's so good. And part of that is Shanahan and how creative they are. I mean, they do so many things to even take conventional runs. Like they'll dress up like duo and they'll dress it up with a couple of motions to make it look unique and new and be able to run it really effectively. So that's schematic genius. That's Kyle Shanahan. That's Bobby Turner. That's Chris Forrester. But then you also need a running back who's proficient at running every single one of those runs and running them well. And there you have Christian McCaffrey. Is this not the, is this, we're on pace right now, in my opinion, and I've seen a lot of great 49ers offensive seasons in my lifetime. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see the ones of Jerry Rice. I didn't get to see the ones of Tara Owens on the 49ers. But this is right now, the start of this is the single best four games from an offensive player I've seen in my lifetime from the 49ers in a row. And the entire stretch from when he joined the 49ers is the best stretch I've ever seen from an offensive player in my lifetime. And then, yeah, I think, I think Debo Samuel 2021 or George Kittle 2018 or probably, or maybe a Frank Gore season 2005 or 2006, right. 2006 or probably the only other seasons, but I think this is even a notch above that. Maybe that's also because of how much they're winning, but yeah, that's attributed to it, especially when you have CMC contributing it to it so much. This could be the greatest offensive season by a player in 49ers history. And it's crazy to say because they've had Jerry Rice and Jerry Rice mm-hmm. had 22 touchdowns in 12 games, which that right. still may end up being number one. Cause when you say that out loud, it's absurd, but right. I mean, Christian McCaffrey, he could score three touchdowns a week and you wouldn't even be shocked. 
that's right. how how insane it is. Uh, bang bang says Vishen Robert, my guys. Thank you very much. That's Kevin our guy, Bang-Bang. Coach. Shout out to him. Subscribe to Bang Bang. Subscribe to Bang Bang. There you go. Plenty of 49ers content out there. I want to get to Kevin Jones' super chat. I see it, Kevin, but it's about the defense. And I, I I don't want to just slam the brakes on what we're talking about to get to the defense. But I promise you we will get to that because that's on our discussion list. But Christian McCaffrey, you know, I kept telling everybody before the year, bet him for offensive player of the year. Bet him for offensive player of the year. I never thought he would lose because he's going to win the MVP. But right now, he is the MVP. Oh, 100%. And... Ultimately, I think that the 49ers would have to keep the one seed for him to get that get the MVP. I think, hey, I mentioned it, I think, here on this show with you, Rob Guerrero. I said, as long as they're, if they're the one seed, I think he'll be the MVP of football. And they're going to have to do that just because of the positional bias. I'm And I, it's going to take the AFC not having a dominating one seed either. Like they can't have a 15 and two team because if they do, that quarterback will get it. And in the 49ers case, like maybe Brock Purdy gets it. But I, I just feel like with the way the media and the agenda is surrounding Brock Purdy, that's probably not something he's going to receive. So Christian McCaffrey would be the guy in that particular situation, but they would have to maintain the one seed. But yeah, it, it, he's going to get the MVP if they do, I think. Andre, YouTube channel member says, got to keep McCaffrey healthy. Jack Hammer pointed out Christian McCaffrey touched the ball on 27 of the Niners' 55 plays yesterday. Guess what percentage of plays that is, Vish? Just the perfect number. Wait, repeat that? 27 of 55 plays Christian McCaffrey touched the ball. What percentage is that? Uh, 51, 52. 49. 49. Oh, 49. oh, I'm an idiot. 27 on, times two is 54. Gosh, all those years of Kumon wasted. <laughs> uh, Keith Murphy, the unbeaten says I've been a Niner fan since 1988. This is the most talented team since 94. It's up there, man. It is up there. I mean, we were comparing it to the Super Bowl team and the 2019 Super Bowl team before the show, and they're better. They this are is- better offensively. They still have Devo. They have a better version of Devo because he's not a rookie. They have Christian McCaffrey, who's better than any running back the Niners had that year. They have Brandon Ayuk, who I think is better than Emmanuel Sanders at that point in Sanders' career. Much better. And they have Brock Purdy, who's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Much better. And I think that there's even nuances within their scheme that's better than it was in 2019 just because there's been evolution since then, and they have better players executing that evolution. Um, It's the best 49ers offense in my lifetime. I would go there. Easily and say it. I was born in 1999. The first season I started following and really watching the 49ers was 2005 since they started Alex Smith. From that period on, for me, it is 100% the best offense I've ever seen. Last year was the, was close. Um, and this year is by far the best offense I've seen. Just the talent of it, the way it's executing, the way it's humming, and then how good the play caller is. And then the quarterback's probably playing better than any of those other guys played at least through four games right now. Absolutely. It could be the best offense I've ever seen. The 95 49ers team written 94 and 95 was an incredible year in 94. They put up 505 points and that has only been done. I think 28 times in NFL history. See, That's so, the problem when you're old, you see all this. I mean, I don't see well, this was a positive show. Why do we have to go there with the old thing today? Why do Is we got to, you have wisdom, Rob. 
<laughs> You're such a jerk. <laughs> nine watching on my Twitch page at Stats on Fire. If you want to follow me there, what's up, boys? Sucking another meeting, but wanted to come in and declare Twitch an anti-lev in space for his comments last night. What did he, he say? Oh, he always, yeah, he poo-poo's the people on Twitch just because I don't have the biggest Twitch following. Oh. Getting, I'm working on it, and they support me yeah, over him. Okay. I always support anti-lev in spaces, so anybody that wants to get into that, uh, feel free. Uh, Chris Waddell says, with Purdy's play, might Darnold request a trade? Who Rob's cares? requesting it for him. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing that. Maybe I can hack into his agent's email and see if I can figure that out. Uh, okay, is there anything else about the offense that you want? Should we mention Ayuk before we get to the defense? So we can do Ayuk and Purdy and their chemistry. But before we get there, just because while we're on the topic of Darnold, I, I wanted to just get into the psyche of Brock Purdy and how much I think this team is a microcosm of their quarterback's personality. I felt they were that way with Jimmy, and now they're that way with Brock, and I think it represents the best part of Brock, which is his composure. This offseason, right, there were a lot of opportunities for him to lose his composure. Biggest game of his career, his arm basically snaps back in half. He has to have a serious surgery that we haven't seen really other players return from at his position, and so we don't know what it looks like. We've seen a few return, but we haven't seen players of starting caliber have this surgery and then return to starting caliber. That we didn't really get the opportunity to see. And the surgery gets delayed because of swelling. He has to go through that. It felt like there was some pressure. And even then, we talked about it every show when we had the opportunity to talk about it. Wow, he's handling it great. He's taking every question day day by day. He doesn't seem to be bothered by what anybody else is saying about his injury. He doesn't seem to be bothered by the timeline. He seems to have confidence in what he's doing. And then he comes back early, right? One of our concerns is, would he get enough time? Would he get enough reps? This is a quarterback going into his second year. Reps are important. He comes back early and comes back during training camp and is able to have a full training camp. He's able to play well through training camp, not have any setbacks. He's able to not have any issues with his elbow, not have any lingering trauma from the fact that he got blindside hit when he snapped his elbow. And immediately he returns to performance from game one. And it feels like he, there's marginal improvements being made from here on out. And this is a guy without an offseason. This is a Niners situation at quarterback that was messy this offseason. People can poo-poo it now that they're 4-0, but that doesn't really tell the full story of what it was like in July and August when nobody was, everybody was optimistic of Brock Purdy's return, but nobody was sure that he would return to performance immediately and be like this. There was the situation with Trey Lance, the worst, one of the worst draft trades of all time. It all existed, the Sam Darnold-Trey Lance competition. <laughs> The fact that we don't care, the fact that this team doesn't seem to have a letdown, the fact that this team comes in after 10 days rest, there's no rust and they're like a machine. They're right back operating. There's no letdown in level. They have a clear focus. It doesn't matter about their opponent. They're expecting something from themselves that they seem to be striving for in each and every one of those games. To me, that's all a microcosm of the personality of Brock Purdy. His special ability to compartmentalize and live in the moment, that's how he plays quarterback. He executes every play for what that play needs. He doesn't get lost into, I need to make something drastic happen in this moment because we're losing. He doesn't get too caught up in, oh, we're winning by a lot, so let me not take this chance. He just plays what the position on that play, how he needs to play the position on that play. 
I think that's really cool. And I will definitely say this to add on why I think it's important. Because I think in previous years when the quarterback was Jimmy Garoppolo and he was a little too nonchalant and he was a little too laissez-faire, if you want to say about everything, and he was like, well, let's make a mistake. This team sometimes used to have these mental, hey, come out and against a team, they play down to the level of a team they should dominate. Why do they do that? Because it felt like their quarterback. That was kind of his personality. Now they have a quarterback who has this intensity, who has this self-expectation, who sees the greater goal. It's not just about beating the team in front of them, but it's about doing it the way they did it yesterday. Five touchdowns and six drives and all of that. I think that we're seeing, and I I, I would also like to say I didn't give it enough credit this offseason. We're seeing the specialness, the real deal part. All of these things they talk about with Brock Purdy, it's not physical on the field. It's his personality. It's his composure. It's his ability to compartmentalize, and it's reflecting on the entire football team. I have the – this is a bad job by me. I have the video of this, but it's not cut to where it should be. But I'm going to throw – I'll see if I can throw up the uh, the transcript because Brock had a comment in the post game that I thought was very interesting. They asked him how the team is hitting on all cylinders, and he said everything. The way we go about meetings, the way guys lift and practice, everyone's on a mission, and we expect a lot of ourselves, and obviously every game matters for us. We have an end goal in mind, but everyone's hungry to do the little things right, and the coaches are hard on us when we win. But there's plays to be made out there. There's things we could be better at, and I feel like last week we sort of took that to heart guys came out just very detailed this week. He mentioned that everybody was detailed a couple of times in the press conference. And maybe you're right. Maybe that comes from him because look, we have seen clearly we know Jimmy Garoppolo when he was not in the facility, he wasn't working. Like he was, he took his time off and oh, that's okay. You know, like that's frustrating, but that's his right to do. But right now it seems like that ain't Brock Purdy. It seems like he expects that from guys. He expects them to be detailed. And they talked about that early about him, right? That uh, that was definitely because of the Twitter follow, by the way. He's doing it for the Twitter follow. <laughs> Commish- but, yeah. Precisio? I don't know how you say that, but thank you for the new YouTube channel member. We appreciate it. Um, Precioso. Precioso. There we go. Uh, Brock setting the tone. And you know what? There are a couple of guys... Debo Samuel, maybe I'm just saying, who, you know, sometimes can let them. Wow, wow, mister. Why do I want to go negative? There he goes. Well, look, we we get every other year of good Debo. We happen to be in a good Debo year this year. It's true. But maybe that's all part of it. I mean, this stuff doesn't just happen. It happens for a reason. And if Brock is helping with that, then more power to him. And you mentioned the connection with Ayuk. I mean. Yeah, let's get to the other receiver who had 150 yards yesterday. In three starts this year, Brandon Ayuk has set his career high twice in receiving yards. And that doesn't say where he is as a player. And it's not like it's like 89 yards, 148 yards yesterday. Brock and and Ayuk are in this mind melt right now where Brock is throwing the ball three, four, five steps before Brandon Ayuk is making his cut. And that's unstoppable, Vish. It's unstoppable for a defense. Yeah. The efficiency, they did, I mean, it was eight catches, eight targets. In Pittsburgh, it was six catches, six targets today. They just have such a great wavelength and efficiency of where Ayuk's going to be at the top of his route, and that's exactly where the ball is. By the way, we talked about his accuracy a little bit when we did our recorded show after the Giants game and all of that. Shout out to him. He was just hitting the bullseye everywhere yesterday. He was about as accurate as you could have been yesterday. And specifically with Ayuk, they have a unbelievable wavelength in chemistry. The timing they play with, 
the way they're able to feel each other, the opportunities he gives Ayuk because he knows where Ayuk is going to be and he trusts him. It's a special chemistry. It's a special wavelength. Ayuk is playing at a top five receiver in football level right now. He's playing at an unbelievable level. He's so strong. He's so explosive right now. He has such a good understanding of how he's breaking defenders down, and he does it with great um, consistency and great urgency. And then they're just making it look easy because everything is just like Purdy throws it to a spot. Oh, there's Ayuk. And in the timing in which they both reach that spot is what makes Ayuk look even more open than he actually is at times. <laughs> yep. And it's so cool. And then there's even plays, right? Like the big play that they had, the 34-yarder on there, the post is – no, the 42-yarder was the post. Yep. I mean, it, I, I would love to go back and watch that decision, but I – he threw it into double coverage and it felt like there was a post safety there. Now he also kind of dotted Ayuk. I don't know what both of those defenders were doing. It was kind of like a perfect throw and Ayuk caught it on his fingertips and it was a great catch and great play. But also I don't know why he went there or what ended up there, but I think it also shows what that shows to me more than anything is the faith he has. He knows these guys are going to make plays for him. And we saw that we've seen elements of that already early with Debo too, that he has complete trust that Debo will go make the play for him. And he has that even more in spades with Brandon Ayuk, who's so quarterback friendly, obviously with the length of his arms and the fact that he presents a larger frame for the quarterback. But two, it's because now at the top of his route, he's just hitting, as Shanahan called it, his landmarks really, Ah. really well. And he's always where he's supposed to be. And so... Dude, it, it's 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 a different level chemistry. They got like the I'm not comparing them to them, not comparing them to them, but they got a Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs wavelength. They've got a Mahomes, Travis Kelsey wavelength. They've got just one of those connections. Matthew Stafford, Calvin Johnson. They are that kind of quarterback receiver. It's just the way they play together. I'm not saying that they're both that great or they're both going to be that great or whatever but they just have a chemistry to play really Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson. They just have a chemistry to play really great with each other. It's so cool. And I'll say this too. In years past, Brandon Ayuk drops that ball. That's a hard catch. He makes a fingertip grab 42 yards down the field with two defenders right there. That is not an easy catch. And Ayuk holds on. Is, is that just, is that just another focus thing for us, dude? Is, oh, some Kevin, Kev F, by the way, Mark Bulger, Tori Holt. That's a good one. It's a good comp, Kurt Warner, Isaac Bruce. But I will say, is that because is that just a focus thing that this team is more focused in years past? Because I feel like drops on the whole, right, have been an yeah. issue for this football team. They drop passes. Kittle drops them. Debo drops them. Ayuk drops them. Juwan Jennings drops them. They drop them. This Honestly, year, they haven't really been dropping them. You know why I think part of it is is because not all, you know they're not all threaded through three guys in the middle of the field with six guys around you and two guys ready to make the stop you know as soon as you catch the ball the throws That's to Ayuk a lot of them are on the outside there's one defender he's got to worry about you know what i mean like I think that that's part of it Christian McCaffrey a lot of times is one on one with a guy who he cooks and he can just catch the ball in open space i think that's that's definitely part of it um but Ayuk has been unbelievable the the just the reliability with it. We remember third and Juwan. That's not really a thing now because they just throw it to friggin' Brandon. It'll get to third down. Yeah. Well then that's another thing too. Okay. We got some super chats. People have been waiting for a while. uh, So I want to get to them. Chris Waddell says, Rob, I hope you lose your bet with Michelle. 
She and I have a bet about the Niners season and whoever wins. If I win, she has to buy a Juwan Jennings jersey and wear it on the show. And if she wins, I have to buy a Sam Darnold jersey and wear it on the show. Which, oh, dude, I would give – somehow I feel like you're positive Niners for whatever reason, even though you're Mr. Negative in this <laughs> bet. But I would give anything to see you in a Sam Darnold jersey. Well, we'll see how it turns out. Uh, let's go back to Kevin. He's been waiting a while. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Kevin Jones, thank you very much. Regarding Nick Bosa, everyone's expecting him to get multiple sacks, but I saw him constantly held and double teamed. He's contributing, he's taking focus, but it's just not what shows up in the stats. I think he led the 49ers again in pressures yesterday, Vish. I think he's like PFF's highest graded defender or close to it, but he is not getting sacks. And what I said yesterday on the instant reaction is at some point you have to get sacks. At some point, I can't just hear about pressures. I can't just hear about the labor pains. I need to see the baby. And right now he's not getting all the way home yet. And, and he doesn't have the excuse of the holdout because he himself said, I'm back. I'm ready. I'm good. And so, like I said, at some point you got to get home. Yeah, the excuse of the holdout for me went out went out the window. One, when I saw number 95 in Kansas City come back week two and play <laughs> that many snaps in Jacksonville and dominate the way he did, I was like, yeah, Nick Bosa, he worked out in Florida in the heat. He should be good to go. And then when I actually rewatched the Rams game, I was like, oh, wait, Nick Bosa actually played really well in that game. It was just that we mm -hmm. had a perception of what it needed to look like, and we just decided that he played poorly after that game. And we kind of did it as a community because nobody really pushed back on it. And all of us were like, hey, Nick Bosa doesn't look fully back. Well, no, 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 he is fully back. But I, I agree with Kevin here. I think that they're double teaming him a lot, and they have a good rush plan. And we're seeing why the Niners paid Javon Hargrave so much money. Because if you let Javon Hargrave or Eric Armstead, you let either of them rush on half a man on inside, it's over. It's a sack. They're going to finish the play. They're going to get pressure, and interior pressure spooks these quarterbacks. I mean, Kenny Pickett <laughs> is still spooked from the interior pressure the 49ers got him. He's still spooked. He's so spooked by interior pressure. And it's amazing to me when we're watching it because now they're getting one-on-ones for Hargrave, and they're getting one-on-ones for Armstead. And to me, both those guys have been awesome through four games. They've really been awesome, especially Hargrave because he's finishing plays. Armstead just yep. doesn't finish plays at the regularity that he actually has effectiveness in them. But um, they're both just playing unbelievable. I think Bosa's stats will come. He's just way too good a player that at some point that he's just going to get two sacks in one game, then three sacks in another. Next thing you know, Nick Bosa, oh, he's fourth in the league in sacks. It's funny how that works. 
But at this point, I feel like they're just double teaming him and the Niners aren't really forcing the issue to get him one-on-ones because they're like, oh, you double team Nick Bosa. Then we get interior pressure because the two big badasses inside are rushing on half a man or they got a one-on-one. And yeah, Javon Hargrave kicks butt. Hargrave has as many sacks as all 49ers defensive tackles last year. And we played four games. Like that is the impact that he has had. That was a big sack in the game because the Cardinals were driving to maybe make it a one score game in the fourth quarter. And Hargrave just shuts it down. Grave digger. Boom. Kills that drive. And the Niners, of course, go on to what? No, I just like how you said, boom, grave digger, because you saw him doing it. You were like, you turned on Mr. Commentator hat for a second as you were going, Mr. Analysis. Look, I try to make it as smooth as possible here on the program. You know that, Vish. But all yeah, right, Javon right. Hargrave has been great. Let's talk about the defense a little more. Can, I can we say that... one more thing about Hargrave as well? Yes. There's something that I mentioned about him when he was signed, and it really impresses me even today. The guy with that body type that carries weight the way he does, like he's really wide hip and thick legged. You don't find many human beings like that that move the way he does. He has a very, yeah. very, she's very, very explosive. And he has leverage on every single person because how, of how small he is. But he anchors so heavy because he's so wide hip and thick legged. His cardio, man, his cardio is off the charts good. He's a guy who's played 16 games everywhere. He played heavy snaps everywhere. But even then, like, I remember there was some talk this offseason, like, oh, is Javon Hargrave dogging it? Did he get the money? He's putting his hands on his hips. He looks tired. I have not seen any evidence of that through four games. His cardio looks as every bit as unbelievable as it was in Philly and it was in Pittsburgh before that. His cardio is outstanding. Like, late in that game, he was still rushing for a guy that big that should yeah. wear, and it was kind of hot yesterday, and Levi Stadium can get very hot in moments. I've had to sit through it. You're going to have to sit through it next week. He was just – he looked fit, fresh, and awesome out there. Good good on Javon Hargrave. I did see those reports in training camp about him kind of huffing and puffing. It did scare me a little bit, but you're right. It's been freaking great. Um, Kevin Jones had another question. Is Kendall Sheffield better than Ambry Thomas? Because we need to drop Thomas. It's it's reaching epidemic proportions, Vish. He can't play. He can't play. He can't play. When he's out there, it goes to him every time. And it's always, oh, so-and-so makes the catch on Ambry Thomas. It's his second catch of the year. Yeah, because the stiff can't get open on anybody else, but he can get open on Ambry Thomas. That's like the only thing on this defense that there is to complain about. And I, more than that, it's why does he get into the game? <laughs> That's kind of the question to me. And I, I don't mean that in a disrespectful way because they they I, I've already been disrespectful about it when I say Janoris Jenkins was signed on Thursday and he was playing in front of Ambry Thomas on Sunday. But even yesterday, like I think Oliver and I've been the quote unquote Oliver hater, a detractor for sure, from the moment they signed him. I think he's steadily improving. He plays, he's playing better. There's moments he gets beat. I think specifically, like, for example, when they had him in man having guarding a crossing route out of a bunch, that's a tough cover for anybody that's not, like, the best nickel corner yep. in football. Like, that was just a tough situation. He got beat and gave up a catch. But he's been more assignment sound than Ambry Thomas for the most part. And they told us. I, I don't want to keep bringing it up. But Kyle Shanahan was like, I can't say this publicly, but you can all just turn on the film and be like, yeah, that's why we benched Ambry Thomas, okay? That's what he told us. He basically told us that. 
And yet somehow the next game he proceeded to start. He did the same thing he did against Pittsburgh week one. And then yesterday out of nowhere, they're like, yeah, Matt Barros is tweeting for the sake of matchup. They wanted to kick Demor Lenore inside. And that means they wanted Thomas on the outside. To me, that says something about Oliver that they want Lenore playing inside and they primarily want Lenore playing inside. And that to me either opens up a situation that they need to find another cornerback. But honestly, dude, I think they could sign a veteran like a uh, Janoris Jenkins, for example, and that would be better at this point than Ambry Thomas. Ambry Thomas has lost all semblance of confidence and not to rehash her Adam Peters conversation from last week, but it feels awfully political at this point, why he's getting so many chances. I've never seen a player that was in the third round, especially under this regime, like Tarverius Moore was a third round pick. Guy didn't even get chances to do anything beyond special teams. They decided in practice, they deemed him unworthy of playing. You know, there were other high round Trey Sermon. They, he got cut after his first year. What has Ambry Thomas done differently to those guys to keep getting these opportunities? And we have not seen anything. We have not seen anything at the end of the Rams game. That was pretty much it. I agree with you. I stop it with Ambry Thomas. Guy can't play. He's a liability. When he's out there, he's the target. Just book it. The ball's going his way. It's unbelievable. Uh, Maybe Kendall Sheffield can step up. You know, I know a lot of special teams play. Yeah. A lot of people wanted to see before he left. uh, What was it? Quantrez Knight. A lot of people wanted to see. Give somebody a shot. Has mm-hmm. to be somebody. Has to be somebody. Even if or they just get stick beat, with Oliver. Even if they get beat like Ambry Thomas, I just you can't keep throwing the same guy out there and expecting a different result. It's just not going to happen. I hope that they do. Um, I want to talk about this. The defense, Vish, to me, it's I feel bad banging on them. They gave up 16 points. That's really good in today's NFL. But they just don't seem as intense. They don't seem as sharp. Perfect example. The cards are going for two. The 49ers can't get the right people on the field. And there's 10 guys on the field for the Niners. Now, luckily, Hufanga's awesome. And he made the stop before James Conner got to the end zone for the two-point conversion. But, like, they're just not buttoned up. And I don't know if it's because Wilkes is in the booth. I don't know what it is. But there's a there's a lack of intensity there with the defense that I've not seen in years past. Well, one, I think it's Wilkes getting acclimated and adjusted. You have to remember D'Amico was the linebackers coach under Robert Sala. So there was continuity with D'Amico, even though D'Amico was a new defensive coordinator because he had been there and seen how Sala ran the defense and what Sala did. So he had built off of that. So there is the fact that Wilkes is a new entity. And then I just feel like their personnel is also a little bit different. Yeah, there's continuity in who they've brought back, but adding Javon Hargrave, you have to do things a little different because he's a star and you want to kind of cater what you do to make sure that he has opportunities to make plays. Now you have a little bit of a secondary situation with Isaiah Oliver. They're playing a lot more man coverage than they've played in the past. And I, I feel like they're in a situation that they have to take a few chances and do that at this point and play a little bit of press man. And so because of those things, I just feel like they're taking time to getting adjusted. We are seeing them having mental errors and making mistakes. But I also I also want to add this, Rob. I felt like Arizona was a little bit underrated. Arizona yeah. on paper before the season, they're we all thought they were a load of shit. We thought they sucked. <laughs> we thought they were terrible. But watching what Arizona has done through the first three games, and this is where it was unfortunate that I was in Puerto Rico all week and I didn't have to uh, talk about the what Arizona was doing, but I did watch their first three games, and they're a very impressive team running the ball. Their offensive line isn't so bad. They have a creative run scheme. They mauled Dallas. They ran all over them. They did it schematically, and they did it with power. And James Conner's a good back. 
and they run the ball well. And you could argue that a team with like Arizona that has no chance that's playing with house money that makes house money decisions as seen by the two fourth downs they went for and is always going to stick with their run game because they know their run game is going to be the only thing that gives them a chance on offense in that football game is a tougher matchup versus the 49ers defense that's trying to get you one-dimensional so their pass rushers can tee off. And Arizona's not trying to do that. They're trying to run the ball. Josh Dobbs has been playing pretty well as well. And so when you put all of those things together, I feel like it's kind of a weird game in that sense. Like, I think the Niners defense, I and this is a, this isn't, I'm not saying that Arizona's offense is better than Dallas, but I'm saying matchup-wise, I think Dallas might cater to what the Niners offense defense is better suited to face than Arizona. And so I think we, we, we will see a dominant defense. I also think that this is an offensive-driven team now. Shout out to the coach was saying it all through the post game yesterday. Um, you said it to me on the phone as well. So I think that plays into it, that the offense has been so good that now we're micromanaging the smaller flaws of the defense because Fair. we're like, hey, the offense is flawless. We can't say anything wrong with them. It's a weird place to be because this team has been defensive dominant for a long time. Joe Cro- uh, Crowell says Sanchez is pretty good on the call a couple of weeks ago, but he spent all yesterday misidentifying Ambry Thomas as Deandre yeah. Nobody deserves that man. That's messed up. That is pretty funny. Um, I I will say yesterday too, and I I I made it very clear after the Rams game. I'm a big Sanchez fan, but yeah, Sanchez but- needs to cool it with the compliments. Okay, there weren't that many things about the Arizona Car- Cardinals that he was he needed to compliment, and he was just like trying to go out of his way to just be like, "That's good. That's great. And that's even better." It's funny that like. The 49ers are so good that the announcers, when another team gets a first down, they're like, hey, they're showing a little fight here. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay. They're doing their best to sell this one. Uh, We got a couple more super chats I want to get to. I apologize uh, if we've been a little backed up. Let's see. Next up here, Chris Waddell says, any worry that Debo or Kittle get annoyed that they aren't getting targets? Already saw that with Brown of the Eagles. We talked about this earlier. No. That this team is not like that. If they start to lose, then yes, maybe. But not if they keep winning. They're just they're not built that way. And and a certain Vish Kumarin might have said on an under review show with Rob Stats Guerrera that I felt like the offense would look how it looked yesterday for portions this year. And one Rob Guerrera might have also said on this show that the thing about this offense is it's going to be different games when they're featured. And so I think Debo will compensate for not having a big game here to have a big Debo game like he did against the Giants coming up. I think him being banged up and not practicing also played into his lack of targets or being involved in the game plan. I don't think they felt like they needed to force it to him this time. They're like, we're so good. We're like, okay, you're hurt. We're not going to force it. They don't need to force it to anybody ever. That's the thing. When you have this many options, that's the luxury that you have uh, Josh Wyatt says, Ambry had a signature rookie moment in week 17 of 2022, the same way Greenlaw did in 2019. 49ers believe that big players rise in big moments, but that can't be your only moment. Greenlaw's had a ton of good plays since then. Ambry Thomas hasn't. Did, did you feel like that was a signature moment? Like it was, he caught up, he caught an arm punt. That ball caught up in Stafford's hand. Odell would have run by him if he, if he throws that on, they're playing three deep. He's playing over the top. Ball gets caught up. He just catches a punt. (laughs) Like, what what does he want? A cookie for doing what NFL corners should do? 
We've seen some 49ers not drop punt interceptions. Oh, the come on. Come on. Just say it. Uh, Chris Waddell says defensive intensity is a little down because subconsciously they know they don't have to shut teams down. Years past, they, could afford to, they couldn't afford to give up points. That's an interesting thought. Although once Christian McCaffrey got there, they've been putting up 30 on everybody. Seven straight regular season games, Vish, with 30 points. That hasn't been done in the league since? Kyle Shanahan's Atlanta Falcons in 2016. Nope, before that. Peyton Manning's Denver Broncos in 2013. Oh, the Julius Thomas, Wes Welker, Think Eric about Decker, that. Though, D. Vish. Thomas year. Think about Shanahan's Falcons in 2016. Think about any of the Patrick Mahomes teams. Any the of the McVay Rams teams. in 18. McVay Rams, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson's MVP year. Nobody has put up 30 points in seven straight games since that Peyton Manning team. That's how good this offense is. Yeah, I still have bad memories of him breaking the record and patting Aaron Lynch in the butt in a game. Because remember, Kaepernick was looking pretty good in that first half. We thought we had something. Yeah. Shout out to Kamish. This is incredible. Thank you so much for the super chat. Says, enjoy your trip to Levi's this week, and thanks for the great content. Let me pitch in for one of those $19 beers on Sunday. Oh, and greetings from Mexico. Yes, you have fans here also. Shout out to all our international fans here. I am so, so, so excited to be going to Levi's for my first game ever. I'm over the moon. And I know that uh, Chris Maldonado popped it up here earlier. Also, how excited are you to see the game? I'd be through the roof. There's so much juice in this game, like Chris says. There is so much juice. And I what think are you going to be nice, drinking? I'm going to be drinking everything. <laughs> I'm going to be coming into Levin's Instant Reacts definitely drunk. But um, this is like as perfect a start to the season for the 49ers as you could have hoped for. So it'll be a hangover Monday for our under-review show? We're not going to have a show on Monday because wow. I'm going to be traveling. Wow, the guy's just canceling on me. You see this? You see this, everybody? So there's going to be when no- I go to Puerto Rico, I call the guy up and I'm like, hey, Sunday night, let's record something. We got to do something. We got to do it. And now he's just on live just on this show. Like, yeah, F you, Vish. I'm going to do a show with Levin. I'm going to have a party and I'm not going to do one with you. Here's the deal. I'm leaving Levi's on Sunday. OK, we're I'm taking a red eye. My flight leaves at 12 midnight, I believe. We're flying back to Connecticut. And I got to pick up my kids who my in-laws and my mom are going to have been watching for the past like three days. So if you, I'll try, let me just say this. I'll try to do a show Monday, but I don't know if my wife's going to give me the time to say, you can go do a show after she, we're going to be traveling all night. And then it's going to be tough. Sure. Let me know. And maybe we could do a different time or we can adjust. Maybe a Monday night, maybe or something. I could do a Monday night. What's, what's the Monday night game that's that week. We'll see. I don't even remember off the top of my head. Kevin Jones says, last one, I love seeing Robert Sala yell at the rest for that terrible holding no call. I miss having him on staff. Yeah. The intensity is like Steve Wilkes is not the super intense guy like Sala and D'Amico. That's for sure. Sala is an awesome guy. And by the way, I will tell you this, Rob, too. This is what I feel about the 49ers right now. So Southwest had that wow, 50% deal, whatever, last week, right? A few of my buddies booked to go to San Francisco in January. I didn't book. You know why, Rob? Why? If there's a playoff game there, then in San Francisco, I can't be putting my bad juju out there. I'm 0-2 in my last two. I saw wow. the Colt McCoy game. I saw the Monday mor- mon- or the week one Justin Fields <laughs> in the monsoon debacle. 
I can't be putting that bad juju near my football team. This is serious business, Rob. Now that they're 4-0, this is serious business. I don't care about flight deals. I don't care about going to San Francisco. Uh, everything's on the line right now for the football team. I, I, I want you to know the sacrifices I'm making. I want you to know how committed I am. I love it, Vish. I love it. Thank you. On behalf of a grateful fan base, let me say thank you. And I mean this in seriousness, man. <laughs> The I want to see that. I wanna, we better hear the energy. We better hear you individually through the TV on Sunday night. Yeah, you're going to. I'm going to be losing my mind. Brisby Life says, is Drunk Rob going to crash Grant's postgame video in the stadium? Maybe. <laughs> Who knows what could happen? Um, I'm looking forward to seeing everybody out there, though. If you are going to the game and you see me, please come talk to me. I, I said this yesterday. I'm a kid in Connecticut that's always rooted for teams across the country. I am almost never in home territory in friendly confines and it's going to be awesome for me to be surrounded by 49er fans literally i went to the dentist today wearing this victory monday shirt from homage which by the way if you want a, a shirt like this click the link in the description of the episode and the dude in the waiting room is like you like the niners i'm like hell yeah he goes dude they're the real deal he said i'm a cowboy fan but the niners are the real deal ah. that's how you know where we are right now the real deal the real deal hey but by the way just because uh, like of what a tagline the real deal became this offseason <laughs> after Kyle said it, the Niners should sell some real deal merch with Brock Purdy's face on it. Forget the Niners. I should sell some real deal merch. I could get that up and running. Are you are you the real deal? Just because that guy said, oh, the <laughs> Niners are real deal. They're the vic- your victory Monday shirt. You're now the real deal. By the I way, are you going to be wearing your Niners hat when you're in town? Uh, I don't think so. Wow. I don't I don't want to put the hat in the suitcase, you know? Oh, dude, wear the hat on the plane. No, I got to be maximum comfort. I'm going sweats on the plane. Dude, Everything you don't actually wear the hat on the plane. You just have the hat in hand to put it on in any moment so that people know that, hey, I'm a freaking 49ers fan. And that's <laughs> right. My team is 4-0. That's right. I get to enjoy every one of my weeks because Sundays are fucking awesome because my team's 4-0. Yeah, it is. It's, it is awesome. But I'll have a Niners shirt on or something. Don't worry. There will be paraphernalia so okay 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 uh james t kirk youtube channel member says rob are you going to tailgate i'm gonna try my plan is to get to the stadium at like three o'clock three or four o'clock in the afternoon i know the game doesn't start till like 5 30 so hopefully there should be plenty of time to check it all out i want to try and go to the team store get some niner swag i know it's expensive and overpriced i don't care i may never be back at a game you know who knows it took me 38 years to go to one who knows when i'll be back hopefully before i'm 68 um, <laughs> Early prediction for the Cowboys. They obviously looked good yesterday, whooping the Patriots. Um, that defense, you know, appears to have recovered a little bit. What do you think is going to happen in this game against the Cowboys? Dallas is a really good team, but I think it's a case of it's like the Niners versus the Rams. It's a styles make fights issue. And the thing with Dallas is the and if I could maybe try and reduce this to simplest terms because there it, it isn't really that simple. But Dallas on defense, primarily what they try to do is they try to overwhelm you with their team speed. Now, there's a lot of nuanced ways on how they do it, but simply what they do is that their team speed, the speed of their defensive line, the speed of their pass rush, and the depth of it is what causes problems for other teams. The problem is a team like Arizona exposed the weakness, but we, because with all that speed and all that movement, they can be overpowered a little bit. And that's why they drafted Mozzie Smith and did that. 
And it's kind of the same case of the Rams where they face the 49ers who match Dallas's team speed, but the 49ers are bigger, stronger, and more physical. And what we've seen in the last two playoff games, and quite simply, we saw both games kind of play out similarly. And we saw in one game, the quarterback made a couple of mistakes to let Dallas back in the game. Otherwise, the Niners should have beat him like 23-7. And then in the other game, the quarterback didn't make the mistake and the Niners just outlasted them. And that's pretty much what the situation is. The Niners are just better than the Cowboys. They're bigger. They're more physical. They're better than the Cowboys. The question is, will Dallas force enough negative plays? Because when Dallas can force turnovers, when they can do that, they'll capitalize and they'll beat you. That's how they beat you. And so for the 49ers, the important thing is to just take care of the football and keep the football because over the course of the game, because they're bigger, they're more physical, they will batter Dallas. They will wear them down. They will slow them down. That's what's happened in the last two matches, matchups. So for me, this game is, is, is pretty simple because it's about the Niners just not making mistakes. And it, it might not be the most explosive game because you might not want to risk a call where, hey, this protection is sound, but Micah Parsons could have a one-on-one with this guy. And it's a longer developing play to take a shot. And you might not want to take that shot because Micah Parsons can change the game in one game. And you might play it a little conservatively. But that's the right plan against Dallas. That's the plan Shanahan's had in the past, and that's the plan they should have because the Niners are bigger than Dallas. They're more physical Dallas, and they will outlast Dallas. And they have a better offense than Dallas, too. Like, Dallas's offense has they been do. mighty unimpressive to me. I thought it would be interesting to see what they do this year with Tony Pollard as the featured back, and I thought Brian Schottenheimer's a creative run game call coordinator. They're going to have a real run game, all of that this year. It's, been, it's not been that, and Dallas, Dak has looked fine but he's not looked anything special yet. And so um, I, I don't want to put that again. I don't, I'm a little too superstitious to be like, Hey, the Niners are going to blow out Dallas and all of that. But when I look at this matchup on paper, it, it would be the Niners beating themselves for me to feel like, Hey, Dallas could beat them in this game. As long as Mike McCarthy's calling plays, I will never fear the Cowboys offense, even though they have good personnel. I, Mike McCarthy is not a good offensive coach. He was maybe 10, 15 years ago. He's not anymore. He's a baked potato as a head coach. If you don't have all the good stuff. Not as a head coach. Not as a head coach. He's a good head coach. I don't think he is. I think he's falling ass backwards into great situations. That's what I think. Mike McCarthy, if he doesn't have the great stuff around him, he doesn't have the sour cream and the chives and the bacon and the cheese. You put all that stuff on a baked potato, it's awesome. They had the sour cream, the cheese, the chives, the onions, all of it, and nothing happened. That's why they had to hire Mike McCarthy. And since then, they've been pretty, they've been as stable as Dallas has ever been in my lifetime. Yeah, they had Kellen Moore. They were the second highest scoring team in the league the last four years because of Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore with Jason Garrett, too. I'm sorry. I just don't believe it. They're never buttoned up on the details, Mike McCarthy. They didn't. Hey, I'm know not saying he's a good coach, but you can't have the record he has for that many years of coaching without being doing some things right. You can when you have Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. Yeah, one of the most talented throwers in the history of the game. Uh, I'm I'm not a McCarthy you know, guy. Brandon never, Staley has Justin Herbert. Yeah, he's not Aaron Rodgers, but it's not easy to just win just because you have a quarterback who's more special than everybody else you need a little bit more than that oh absolutely absolutely not even close not not trying to say that i'm just saying that having a franchise quarterback a special quarterback just doesn't mean that you're automatically gonna win was my point but maybe the herbert comparison might have i might have to concede that 
I will never be a Mike McCarthy guy. Uh, before we go, I just want to give a shout out to Slot Right Marketing. If I can, they help me out make our website, which if you haven't been, please feel free to check that out. Goldstandardniners.com. I got the grades up right now for the win over the Cardinals. I do the grades every Monday, but uh, the guys at Slot Right really Are you a tough grader? Me. No, well, like? yes, but I mean, it's hard to not give everybody A's when you win like the 49ers have won, but you can go there, goldstandardniners.com, check it all out. But if you need a website, I recommend everybody at Slot Right. They specialize in marketing consulting, creative strategies, and content ideation to help increase your brand equity with 20 plus years of experience, by the way. These aren't rookies we're talking about. They know how to get your brand rolling. Go to slotright.com if you want to check them out, slotright.com. Again, thank you to everybody. We sort of threw this thing together after I got laid off and it's, you know, we're starting to get up and running right now. We're not rolling like 14 straight regular season wins, but we're getting there. And that's a credit to you, Vish, and the team we have here and everybody. Just, I can't thank this community enough. 49er fans, you guys are awesome. You saw the super chat we got earlier in the show. I mean, this is a community like few NFL teams have, if any, and it is awesome to be a part of. Absolutely. Absolutely. By the way, can I, can we see your grades real quick before we go? Can we see what Rob Guerrero graded this football team? Let me grade the grader. I'll grade you. Well, I would, you know, I would prefer people go to the website. Okay, fine, fine, fine. Everybody go to the website. We won't show you the <laughs> grades here. Brock got an A. Christian McCaffrey got an A plus. Brandon Ayuk got an A. It was only one part of the team. It didn't, well, there were two non-A grades. One was the defense and the other Special teams. Jake Moody. Oh, Stop yeah. taking the ball out of bounds. That's how the Cardinals got their first scoring drive because they only had to go, you know, what was it, 40 yards down the field. Moody kicked the ball out of bounds, Vish. I watched it again today. It went out at like the 15-yard line. Yeah, like it wasn't yeah. even close. He shanked yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Dude, just trying to get negative. Wow. I'll, I, I, those were good grades, though. Those were good grades. I'll, I'll give you an A minus, eh, B plus. Why? Why oh. do you get an A? Why do you get an A? Huh? Downgraded me. I gave the special teams grade. The official grade was a WTF. Because <laughs> of, how could Jake Moody hit all of his kicks? He had five extra points yesterday. But but Mitch Wishnowski did something that we've probably seen Mitch Wishnowski do like three times in his career, which is down a punt inside the five. He's been pretty good this year, putting putting punts inside the twenty. Well, he's always been great at putting it inside the 20, but when it, it's always a fair catch at the 11 yard line. <laughs> uh, Batman 29 says, Vish, you're an American hero for your juju rituals surrounding the team. See, people appreciate your sacrifice, Fish. Yeah, I, I mean, juju is a real thing. Any sports gambler knows about juju. Like, Rob, you just, yeah. you feel like you you got some bad juju on me right now. Like, but I feel like you have good juju for the 49ers. I feel like you're going to go there and see. I just know it. I just know it. you're Mr. Negative, whatever. I'm Mr. Positive, whatever. But I have to go and suffer through the Colt McCoy game. I have to go sit in a monsoon and watch Justin Fields win. And you, Mr. Negative, will get to go cross country, enjoy yourself, drink for free for because all the Niners fans want to buy Mr. Negative a beer so that they can have Mr. 20K, follow them on Twitter, all of that, you know, and you're going to then go watch it. Uh, I'm not going to be too presumptive, but you're going to get to watch an electric Niners Sunday night victory at home. It's BS how it works, man. It's BS. Uh, I'll just say I can be bought. I'm just throwing that out there. So if people want to buy me a beer, I will absolutely be drinking it. I'm just 
just throwing that out there. Anyway, thank you, Vish, for so much of your time today. This is an extra long show as we tend to do on a Monday, <laughs> but hey, at least we're doing it and we're talking about good things. 14 straight wins for the 49ers. Make sure you like and subscribe to the Gold Standard YouTube channel. Click the little bell in the corner. You'll be notified every time we go live. And please rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. If you want to help the show, please leave a five-star rating and a review. That helps us move up the charts. I want to get up. We are not the number one 49ers podcast right now, and I'm not happy about it. I want to try and get us way up the charts. So please leave a five-star rating and a review, and that will help. And like and subscribe to the Vish Kumaran YouTube channel as well. Just search Vish Kumaran. It comes right up. It'll make you a better, smarter football fan. This is the part where you talk. Oh, I thought I, 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 you summed it up perfectly. I was just like, okay, Rob, you nailed that. Like what an exit. Like you did it. All right, everybody. Enjoy your victory Monday. Maybe tune into some NFL live, see them break down a good win. And uh, yeah, just enjoy it. 14 straight, baby. We'll be back for 15 next week. Hell yeah.